This is Wednesday night Bible study here at the Pine Little Pentecostal Witness Church with our sister Jenny Vanderham bringing the message tonight. Here's Jenny. Good evening. I hope everyone is doing well on this uh, rainy Wednesday evening. Uh, stay safe is all I can say. But it's going to rain mostly while we're asleep. So just pray your trees don't fall or that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know what to, what we need to do, but um, let's pray for those down in Florida that have, have gotten hit already, that God will be with them and and um, minister to them and keep everybody safe all the way up uh, along the coast and let it go on back out to the Atlantic and do what it wants to do out there. That'll be fine, as long as it's far enough that it doesn't bring any more rain in. But uh, we do want to remember them in our prayers. Let's, uh, we have lots of others. I wasn't here on Sunday, but uh, Florence did call me, and I called her a couple of times while I was gone. And uh, she seems to be doing better. I haven't talked to her today. But um, she, I'm glad she didn't get out because of the rain, because that just set her back. So let's just continue to pray for her. Um, Let's see, I saw the pictures on Facebook about the praying at Pine Level Elementary School. Looked like they had a nice turnout. And pray for the kids that um, are going to school. It, it's sort of tough, not sort of, it is tough. Because, you know, they've been out all summer. Who's thought about books and who's thought about any of that kind of stuff? And so the first couple of weeks of school... Uh, is uh, sort of a review to sort of get them back into the groove of things and the teachers getting back in the groove of things. So let's just remember them in our prayers. And hopefully we got the 93-pound case that uh, we need for the barbecue um, chicken and um, just get lots of plates. That's all I can say. We need lots of plates ordered. So um, we're hoping to get some uh, more sponsorships and stuff like that for the golf tournament as well. So let's just keep all of that in our prayers tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for keeping your hand upon us and constantly guiding us directing us, moving in our spirits. Uh, Lord, that we're always looking to you and listening to your voice. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to touch those on our list that are sick. Lord, those that still need a touch from you, I pray that you would reach down unto them, that they'll feel your presence uh, even there where they are sitting, and that they'll feel your presence and they'll feel the anointing flow through their bodies. And I pray, God, that you would continue to work and move uh, in a special way under those that are here. Uh, Lord, you know every request upon every heart that is sitting in this room tonight. Uh, and I pray, God, that you'll just continue to move and work, guide and direct us, Lord, that we'll always be in tune uh, to what you have to say for, to us. Uh, and, Lord, that we'll use your word as an instrument of learning uh, that we might continue to grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
A couple of months back, well, it's probably been a few months back, maybe it was sometime in May, I think, that I spoke the last time. And I took my text from Galatians chapter 1 and the first 10 verses talking about uh, some of the issues that Paul had been told about, had gotten word about, that they were not, uh, they were listening to everybody else other than following the messages that Paul had shown to the people of Galatia. And so he was really getting a little bit tiffed with them, they said, because he says, look, what in the world's wrong with you? I, I preached the gospel to you, I preached the truth to you, and now you want to listen to these people that haven't got a clue what they're talking about. And so uh, he just begins to go on about that, and he says, you know, let me just tell you uh, what you need to do. And I'm going to pick up from there in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to the end. I'm not going to uh, necessarily read all those verses, but and I pulled it out of the uh, English Standard Version. It makes it just a little different language that it's is said there. For I ha- I would have you know, Paul says, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me is not the gospel of man. All right. Right off the bat, he goes right back into it, and he said, look, I got news for you. The message that I preached to you, and every day that I stayed there, it was the true gospel. It says that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I received it through a revelation. That's what God wants us to do. He, I mean, it's great to hear preaching, it's great to hear teaching, but you also need to get into the Word yourself. You need to let God give you the revelation. Now remember, when Paul was preaching, he didn't have the New Testament. He was writing all of these things. And so he was developing it for us and others that came before us. So he was trying to get them to realize that you have got to ask God to let you have the revelation that you need, just like he did. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. He had a past. Paul had a past. He said, I've told you about it. I didn't mince any words about it. I let you know right up front what kind of person I was. Don't you hear that a lot from pastors and preachers? They tell their story there, how they became a part of the kingdom of God. And we see that Paul is doing the same thing here. He says, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among the people. He was pretty smart. He was very smart 
Paul was. He had an understanding of the, of the word, of the Old Testament. And he was growing in the knowledge that was being fed to him by the, by the priests and by the, the rabbis. So he was not a stupid person. He was a man very well educated. And he says, I was advancing above the people even older than me. I was getting further along. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Are we that zealous to know God? Do we have that same drive and desire to want to know more about the Lord? I love doing book studies. I don't know if you have ever done them, but I'm in the process of doing Galatians, and I think I'm about on chapter 4. But it's a wonderful book study when you just take out sections and begin to study it and begin to ask God to show you something new that's being talked about in that particular lesson. He says, but when he who had sent me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son. He was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul had a hard job. He had to preach to a Gentile group of people, unsaved people. Is it easy to talk to unsaved people? No. It's even harder to try to talk to your unsaved loved ones because they look at you and they'll say, well, I know how you were when you were younger. I think I heard that quite a bit from my youngest sister. I hope she's listening. But Laurieann used to tell me that all the time. And she'd say, well, I know how you were. And I said, that's, that's the key there, how I was. I've changed. I'm changed by the hand of God. But, oh, no, she didn't want to see that. She didn't want to hear that. She didn't want to know that. Yeah, but that, you know, sister, it wasn't sister rivalry because I would just walk out the room or away from her if she kept right on and kept right on. But he said, I was zealous to know all I could. Education is great, but biblical education is even better. Because if we know the word of God, then we can stand there and talk to someone about what's going on in their life and show them what they need to do. So in verse 16, he says, I was pleased. I was pleased to reveal his son to me. He, I was so pleased that God said, okay, I will reveal my son to you in order that you might preach to the Gentiles. This group of people that need Jesus. I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He took a road trip. Paul was letting them know that sometimes you just have to get away and commune with God. Sometimes you have to just set yourself apart. 
Didn't Jesus do that? When he went into the wilderness to uh, fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, Paul does the same thing. He gets away. He goes away. And he goes and visits or is there in the region. And he may have been looking. You know, I like to watch people. Have you ever watched people? Especially if you go to the mall. I'm not a shopper. <laughs> if I can get it off of Amazon and it comes to the house, oh, that's wonderful and great. But sometimes I will sit and, you know, let somebody else go and shop and just watch people. They do some of the craziest stuff and wear some of the weirdest things out in public. My grandmother would have a fit with some of the things they wear. But he leaves. He probably watched the Gentiles. Began to take inventory. How do you meet somebody? How do you talk to someone? How do you uh, to how do you reach out to someone? How do you talk to them about the Lord? Then in verse 18 he says, Then after three years, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remain with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles. He didn't see any of the other guys except James, the Lord's brother. And then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia. So here, here is Paul talking to these people. He says, this is why I was called. From the very beginning here, we see that uh, he knew Christ. He knew the Lord. He was saturating himself in the word of the Lord, the Old Testament that he had learned as a child growing up. They have to be able to quote a very large passage of Scripture uh, when they turn 13. And as they turn 6, they start learning and memorizing the scripture. Everyone had, as you can see, we have, have very important questions that they wanted an answer for. And so Paul was looking at some of these questions that were being sent down, and he was like, okay, for example, how were the Gentiles to be brought into the faith? How are they supposed to know? Who's going to tell them? Uh, were all the marks and tokens of God's covenant with Israel to be disregarded? Now remember, he was a very learned man and knew the traditions of the Jewish people. And he, they asked him, are, are we supposed to just throw them away? Uh, what about Jewish dietary laws? There are certain things the Jews do not eat. There's no way in the world the Jews will eat a cheeseburger. You never mix milk products with meat products. Now, they could eat a cheese sandwich, and later on they can eat a hamburger, but you can't put them together. They know immediately if you're a Gentile, because that's one of the things you'll do, is you'll eat a cheeseburger. We tell on ourselves. But, but these people had lots of questions about what they should do and how they should eat. 
were Gentiles to be, for, to be forced to become Jewish in every single way so that they could receive the Savior in their heart? The interesting questions. And Paul was going to deal with these questions. He was going to talk to them. The Council of Jerusalem was, uh, was called to deal with these questions when Paul and Barnabas were about ready to go on a missionary trip. And there was teaching that was going to be taught to the Gentiles that needed to be dealt with. They needed to have some answers for. Um, if you are going to speak to a group of people, you want to know, uh, is there, are there things that I need to talk about? Are there specific things that I need to mention? Uh, is there a subject I need to stray away from? You want to know some, some foundation there so that you don't make a mistake. So they couldn't put it off anymore. The council of the church in Jerusalem was convened to try to deal with some of these answers. And in Acts 15, I didn't put it up there in the scriptures, but it says, please abstain from food and practices which your pagan past makes easy for you that are abominable to your Jewish brothers and sisters in the faith. Okay. Don't do anything that's going to cost your Jewish brothers and sisters to fall. You know they can't, they can't eat the unclean meat. Well, don't eat it around them. If you want to still want to eat it, just do it in the privacy of your own home, not where everybody else can see you. Simple. You know, don't, don't try to, to put yourself out there and offend somebody else. And he didn't want that. <clears throat> so we say, see that <clears throat> it was a, a demand that we love, that we love people. And that becomes uh, hard sometimes. People are not always lovable. Ever met some unlovable people? Some people you think, oh, how in the world am I going to like them? How, and, and love them too? How's that going to happen? How can I do that? I don't like what they do. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they talk. But we're supposed to love them, maybe not what they do. So there were lots of things. There, as Christians, we have a lot of things we have to deal with. The struggle was resolved with the council in Jerusalem, or at least in the principal form of it. There were still Judaizers or people of Jewish, Jewish faith that insisted that the Gentiles had to become Jews in every way to be a part of the family of God. They were just insistent. I grew up in a very Pentecostal church, very Pentecostal church. When I was there as a youngster, they were, uh, you always wore a dress or a skirt if you were a lady. You had to let your hair grow out. You had, uh, couldn't wear any jewelry. And if you had a watch, it had to be simple and usually stuck up under your sleeve so you didn't 
especially if it glittered. Okay, right? Um, it was a type of uh, bondage, but it was the traditions of the time. The traditions of the time. You didn't think of wearing a pair of pants to church. You didn't think of wearing short hair. Of course, I cut mine right after Marcus was born because uh, he kept sleep, uh, laying on it and pulling it inside. That's it. That's it. It's going short. I wore short hair all my life and then had to start growing it out because I was going on the mission field. I had to look the part. Do we still want to look the part? Oh, yeah, I know we need to let people come into the church. We need to let them come in here. We need to let them find God. I understand that. But we also have to be the examples to them. Are we the examples to them? Are we loving? Do we smile? It's amazing how many people actually smile. They have blank stares on their faces. I see you. I watch the service on camera up there. And, I, and when they pan the rest of the, the congregation, and I'm like, wow, they must have had a bad morning this morning. Or, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I don't ever say anything to Paul or Joey. And then um, we'll look at something. Oh, my, they must be having a problem. I'm going to pray for them. You know, you see all kinds of things out there. But rarely smiles unless, you know, there's been a, a great little joke told. I, I had the privilege of, um, I went to church with my cousin who didn't know I was even in town. And I surprised her Sunday morning and showed up at her church. And she said, took a double take, like, what are you doing here? Surprise, I'm here. And, and she was so, so excited. I think she told everybody in the church who I was and uh, what my name was and that I was from Carolina. And one man said, that's blessed country down there. And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, I mean, it was a difference. I mean, there were people who had no idea who I was. When I walked up, they introduced themselves already. And I'm thinking, honey, I'm not even going to remember your name because I don't have a clue what you just said. You know, I was just trying to surprise my cousin. But do we do the same thing? Do we get lost in our own thoughts that we forget where we are? I think sometimes it happens quite often. But we got to be aware of those things. We got to have those things in our, the forefront of our mind so that we know what's going on. We want to reach people, but we also have to be friendly to them. We have to show them love. We have to extend that hand to them. We have to uh, know them in a way that, you know, even if you don't even remember their name, it took me forever to remember um, Ernest and Betty. For some reason, he just didn't look like an Ernest to me. <laughs> I could never remember his name. 
And then finally, sitting up there, I wrote it three or four times on a piece of paper, and now it's stuck. So now I know his name. But that didn't stop me from greeting him. It didn't stop me from saying, hey, how are you doing today? We have to keep on showing that we have the love of God if we expect to reach out and grab people. We've got to allow God to move in our hearts and in our lives. And Paul was saying, look, you can have all the education you want. You can have all the degrees behind your name. But if you don't have the love of God shining forth, people aren't going to think much of you. They're not going to think, whoa. The church wasn't very big that I went to on Sunday. Um, the pastor was a little fireball. I, I, was, I really enjoyed him. And he was from Korea, but spoke perfect good, perfectly good English. And he just had some of the funniest little jokes. They were so funny. I was focusing on what he was saying rather than the jokes. I couldn't tell you any of the jokes. Uh, but it was just right on. And I'm like, man, you know. He was right there. And he, he made eye contact, I think, with everybody in there. And then as I was leaving, this man come up to me. And he said, well, Jenny, you have a great day today. And I was like, okay. I, I didn't know what his name was, but he remembered mine. And he made the effort to come out there. You want to win people? Paul was saying, look, you got to show them that you have something that they want. You have to show them that you have something that will entice them to want to know about your Jesus. We're living in a time and in an age where we have power at our foot, fingertips to get just about anything we want, right? Uh, you know, I, I, Adam will say, what do you want for supper? I don't know. What, what do you think you want to go get? And I'll send him to go get something, or we'll eat a sub, or, or you know, maybe, oh, I'm just going to eat a bowl of cereal tonight. <laughs> you know, okay, I think I'll do the same thing. Oh, okay. So, you know, we have power in our hands to do whatever. And it's easy to develop a frame of mind that we can do anything we put our minds to do as long as we apply the right strategy, the proper amount of force, the adequate power and might in our words. Isn't that what's happening today? We can think about all of the different wars and skirmishes that are going on to some degree. We can see this being played out over in Ukraine every day. People argue over the American strategy of what they're doing and how they're doing it. Some want more force. Others think that we can win if we employ different methods or change up things. Everybody's got their point of view. It's the same tired, wore-out rhetoric, 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 I get it what you mentioned. Every night on the news... I enjoy watching the news, 
But sometimes I watch it muted. Let me see the picture and make the decision myself. Let me write the, the script. Let me, let me write the script for myself from what I see. The battle has as much to do with the hearts of people and in the various countries as it does with anything else. Do you think the average Jane and John Doe wanted war in the Ukraine? Did anybody ask them? Hey, we're thinking, we want to take a poll to see if it's all right with you if we have a war. No. Do you think that um, Idelia or Edelia or whatever they call it uh, has asked any of us if we really want those waters to come into the area? Hasn't asked me. How about you, Stephen? No? How about you all? Did it ask us for our opinion? Do, I mean, we're going to be, um, it's going to deal with us in some form or fashion. Drake said, Oma, do you think we're going to lose power? And I said, well, you know, you've got a couple things going for you to, for where you live. One, across the street is a um, rehabilitation center or hospital or whatever it is. Since you're on that, that electric line, you probably won't lose power because they can't afford them to lose power. Oh, oh. And he said, well, what about you? I said, well, you know, I'm over there at the oil terminals. You know, people have got to have gas, and they got to put it in those big old tankers. And so um, they're going to keep them running. So because I'm right there on that same line, I'm going to still have power. Right? So depending on your location, depending what it is. But nobody asked me if we should have a storm. Nobody's asked me if we should uh, go buy some guns and bullets and start, you know, having our own little free-for-all like they seem to be doing over in other parts of the state of North Carolina. But we have to realize our campaign has to be one that focuses on Jesus. It has to focus on him. We have to have a heart, a heart that loves the Lord and follows after him. We, Billy Sunday was right when he said, you know, he's a famous preacher, when he said that coming into a church doesn't make anyone a Christian any more than entering a garage will change someone into an automobile. Just because people come into church doesn't mean they're Christians. Doesn't mean that, you know, they've come in because they wanted to be in church. Sometimes they just want a place to sit down. Sometimes they want a place that they can maybe talk somebody into giving them some money. They have other alternatives on why they've come to church. What do you come to church for? I come to praise and worship God. Some people do not. They do not come to praise and worship God. So just like we can't put, you know, turn into an automobile when we put, it in, put ourselves in the garage, just coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. And we need to be careful about how we present ourselves. 
We talk about it all the time. We talk about, you know, our, how we present ourselves, what we say, you know, what's going on out there in the foyer uh, every Sunday morning when people are standing around. Well, move it all into the sanctuary and talk to some of these people you haven't talked to all week. Right? I know I'm meddling. I mean, but we have visitors that come. What are they seeing? How are they seeing the church? It can, um, a cracked bell is an example. The Liberty Bell broke, right? Many, many, many years ago. Liberty Bell broke. There's two ways to fix it. Either you put some strong bands and try to bring the two sides back together. Is it going to work? No. The best way to fix a broke bell is to melt it down, remold it, and reshape it. That's what God does to us when we come to his church, when we become part of his family. He takes us and he remelts us down. He takes that old piece of clay and he beats it all up again. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because he wants us to be perfect. He wants us to be better looking. And then he has a perfect specimen that he can look at and see what there is to be done. Remolding, recasting, making us over and over. This is God's method in the gospel that he preaches and that is that we read on a daily basis. In other words, only God can do it. He can use people like you and me as instruments in his hands, but only to bring the revelation of his life to them. You can't save a soul. You can show them the way, but you can't save a soul. You can give them the instructions, but you can't change someone's life. It doesn't work that way. It works by getting on your knees at the altar or at home in a secret place or close the door to your bedroom and just get in there and just pound heaven. If there's somebody that needs Jesus, we all know them. We know people who need Jesus in our lives. There's a story here. It's about a, a prisoner. Think about it. This man is serving a 365 years for murder. 365 years, not days, years. He was given a Gideon New Testament and Psalms book. One night, sometime after he had been in jail for a fairly long time already, he began to read one of the Psalms, just opened it up and began reading Psalm 34. And when he got to the sixth verse, it read this way. 
this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The prisoner at that moment turned his life over to God. At that moment, and he, and he goes on in his testimony and he says, at that moment in 1987 that I began to pour out my heart to God, everything seemed to hit me all at once. The guilt from what I had done, the disgust of what I had become, Late that night in his cold, dark cell, he got down on his knees and began to cry to Jesus. God told him that he could save him from all he had done. And when he got up from praying, he felt as if the heaviness of chains had been broken and had been lifted off of him. Peace began to sweep over his soul. He didn't understand what was happening, but in his heart, he says, I just knew, I just knew my life somehow was going to be different. Sixteen years later, David Berkowitz, also known as the son of Sam, led Bible studies within the walls of his prison, devoted time spending in the word of God to reach those that were lost there with him. The world gives us the opportunity, but we have to try to see that it works. It's really a wonder that we're not all dead. For the simple reason, did you realize that salt, everybody likes salt, right? And we get something, and before we've tasted it, we got to shake that shaker, right? We're human. But did you know that the, the chemical makeup of salt are two very poisonous substances? One is sodium, and one is chlorine. And if you were to take them individually, you would be dead. But when they're put together... And they combined like they're supposed to, there's life. Everybody likes a little salt on their food. I like a little salt on my watermelon. Anybody else? I like a little salt on stuff. Let's look at another example. We should all be dead. Water. Let's look at water. The chemical formula for water is H2O. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Oxygen is an oxidator, and it supports combustion. Okay? You heard people, they'd be on oxygen, and then they'd go and light up a cigarette, and they'd blow themselves up. All they were doing was breathing in oxygen. While hydrogen already is so readily uh, able to combust. But when you mix the two together at the proper amount, 
it can put flames out. What did they immediately call when there's a fire in the, somewhere? They want water. When the two are together, there's life. There is substance that can destroy what needs to be destroyed. Yet the great wonder of all is the transformation of a poor, vile, helpless sinner into a respectable person. And it can happen every single day if we will look for the opportunities. On Skid Row, in the wealthiest homes, in jungles of South Africa, and in the streets of Paris, it takes place anywhere and everywhere. The salvation that God wants to give people. It's a wonder. It's a wonder how God can cause a soul that is so dead in sin can find life through believing in him. And that's the message that Paul was trying to to explain to the Galatian church. I've given you the right combination. I've given you the right words to say. I have given you the process. All you have to do is listen. Stop listening to anybody and everybody. They can lead you astray and will lead you astray. Focus on God and what God wants to do in and through our lives. Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you have shown and imparted. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be like Paul, interested in saving souls, reaching out to the lost, showing them the example in our lives that we will know exactly what they need, that they can see the spark of God in our own lives, in how we carry ourselves, in our conversations, in our behavior. Lord, let us be that example people see. Let us be the individuals that will reach out unto a dying world that needs you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm cutting it short. No, it's not so short. But they got a party next door. If you're interested in some cake and ice cream, I don't know, whatever else they have over there. And hopefully getting finished quickly. They haven't eaten it all. The Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.